I cannot tell you how excited I am to be sitting here and talking with you, my brothers and sisters. It's been 16 months since I sat in this seat, and it's so good to see. I just want to know you to know that I love you, and we welcome everyone who is watching by internet, and we want to extend our love to you as well. If you're watching by internet or on the radio, just welcome, 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 and happy Sabbath. Okay, our scripture reading today is Psalm 129, verse 4. This is one of my favorite scriptures that I used to speak over my sister's life and pray over my sister's life all the time. And the Bible says in Psalm 129, verse 4, the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. I was reading that from the NIV. Let me ask you a question. What is binding you? Right now, today, what is binding you? What is keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? J.D. sent this out last night as a Sabbath greeting to a few people. I want to read it to you. Listen carefully. When people saw a barren woman in Sarah, God saw the mother of all nations. When people saw a poor young shepherd in David, God saw a mighty king of Israel. When people saw a poor prisoner in Joseph, God saw a power minister of Egypt. So never mind what people see in you, God has a perfect plan for your life. You know what? That list could be endless. When people saw a murderous Saul of Tarsus, what did God see? God saw an ambassador of grace to the Gentiles. God saw the apostle Paul. Do you believe that your loving heavenly father has a plan for your life? Do we live like we believe that? How does God see you? Have you ever asked that question? How does God see you? I see some of you shaking your heads like, I have no idea. None of these people had an idea until God began to unfold his plan in their life. I don't care. Sarah was well beyond childbearing age. So I don't care if, if you're old, like me. God still has a plan for your life. All, the, the one thing that all of these people had in common was they identified with God and they identified with his word. Hebrews 4.12 says what? The word of God is alive and active. And in John 8.31 and 32, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from wrong choices. The truth can cut you free from the cord of the wicked that's binding you. So what is binding you? 
Is it a poor self-image? Is it a narrative from the past? Someone who said to you, you'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. Let me tell you, God once told me to say this as often as I spoke, and I don't always remember to. But I want to tell you, and especially if you're watching on the internet today, there's somebody who's heard those words. You are worth nothing less than the price that God paid for you with the precious lifeblood of his covenant son, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's your worth. So what's binding you? Is it a weight gain? I can't tell you how many people I'm hearing lately. Me too. Who have been saying, oh, I've gained weight. You know, when you... I was isolated before COVID because of my surgeries. But when you're down and you can't be active, you start gaining a little weight. I'm shocked at as many men as women who are concerned about that. What if, oh, I hate to say this, but maybe it's a bad habit that is binding you. And I'm not going to look at anybody in this room, but I'm going to say this. The statistics on the number of men in the church, and women too, but most, anyway, the statistics of the number of people in the Christian church, in the Christian denomination, who are bound by pornography is shocking. It's shocking. And I read some studies that even pastors are, are, facing this. So maybe it's a gaming habit that's binding you. You know, we've got a wonderful new series coming up called Digital Disconnect. Being on the internet constantly messes with the frontal lobe. Being on the gaming, these kids, we are ruining our kids. We're ruining our kids by allowing them to to be on the internet all the time playing these games. But what is it that we need to be cut free from? I guarantee you, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word, God can cut you free from the cord that is binding you. We must learn not to lean on our own understanding, but to lean on what God's word says. And today, we're not going to do a sermon. Today is a teaching, but it's more than that. It's an exercise in faith. And I'm going to need some congregational participation. And I'm going to call on all of you who are watching by the internet to participate as well. I hope you have a pen and paper just to jot down some scripture references. But I'm counting on your response. I, I felt very impressed by the Lord to do this. And I told J.D. on the way to work, or the way to, to church, I said, I hope this works. It's an experiment. And he said, you're always saying hope in the English language is like, eh, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But hope in the Greek meant eager expectation. We need to put our hope in God's word, and I'm putting my hope in you. I am eagerly anticipating that you're going to respond today vocally. So the name of this teaching 
is freed by the power of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for salvation by grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. And Father, we know that your grace is your divine assistance, your supernatural power unto salvation. And we pray right now, oh Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Let him fall on us now. Let him fall on all who are watching or listening to my voice. And I ask in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher and you will get all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me lay a quick foundation. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says what? All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? All of God's promises are yours if you are in Christ. And let me tell you something. When you look in this word, you know what you're seeing? You are seeing a vision, a reflection of how God sees you. Your identity in Christ is in this word. And 1 John 5.10 says something that's really kind of scary. 1 John 5.10 says that anybody who doesn't believe the testimony of the Lord is regarding God as a liar. You know, you see some of these promises of God and they seem too good to be true to apply to yourself. But if you don't accept God's testimony of who you are in Christ, 1 John 5.10 says you're regarding God to be a liar. God is a God of his word. Romans 4.17 says God calls things that are not as though they already were. Just think of when he was talking to barren Abraham, barren Sarah. They're old, they're past the age. And he says, you're going to be the father of all nations. Your, your descendants will be like the stars in the heaven. God sees the end from the beginning. He calls things that are not as though they already were. So when you see the word of God, it's describing who you are, Tracy. And when you see it, you might think, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, I don't identify with that. Somebody said to me the other day, I love this. Obedience doesn't follow feeling. Listen to what I'm saying. Obedience doesn't follow feeling. Feeling follows obedience. Isn't that good? That's good. Now, when God was speaking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.12, you know what he said to Jeremiah? He's asking, he's involved in a dialogue, and he asks Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah is explaining, and God says, you have seen correctly, for I am watching over my word to fulfill it. I am watching over my word to perform it. God spoke and our universe existed. God spoke. There's power in the word of God. And let me tell you something. There is power in your tongue as well. 
Isaiah 55, 11, God said, my word does not return to me void, but it accomplishes every purpose for which I sent it. Let me tell you, his purpose for you is in here. And we've got to get into the word and believe, put our hope, our eager expectation in the word of God. In second, uh, or Isaiah 55, 11, when he says, his word does not return to him void. Let me ask you, are you returning God's word to him? Are you? When we pray God's word over our life, when we speak God's word over our life, when we say, oh, Father, thank you that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. That's returning God's word to us, and it will not return void. Proverbs 18, 21 says there's power of life and death in this tongue. What you say matters. And more than that, in 2 Corinthians 4.13, you know what Paul said? In 2 Corinthians 4.13, he said, as it is written, and here now he's quoting what was written, I believed and therefore I spoke. That's the quote that was written. Paul says, as it was written, quote, I believed, therefore I spoke, unquote. He says, According to that same spirit of faith, I also believe and therefore speak. When you speak the word of God over your life, into your children's life, when you return it to God in prayer, that is the spirit of faith. I'm going to tell you how this came about. Um, I have a friend who's been through back surgery like me about the same time in recovery, still having a very difficult time, gained a lot of weight. So I wrote out some affirmations for her for weight loss. And I sent, when I say affirmations, you know what an affirmation is? An affirmation is speaking God's word. It's affirming, agreeing with God's word. And so I sent these to her, and I said, this is the way. We've got to get the word from just in our head into our heart. You know how we do that? We get the word from our head into our heart by speaking it over our life, by praying it back to God with thanksgiving. And so what happened with her, she's... She called me about 10 days after she was religiously speaking these affirmations because she had gained so much weight it was really hurting her physically. Did you know that every extra pound of weight you carry puts four pounds of weight, extra pressure, on every one of your joints? So if you're 20 pounds overweight, that's 80 pounds of extra. This is according to the American Arthritis Association. That's 80 pounds of extra pressure on your knees and your ankles and your feet and your hips. So anyway, she calls me and she said, Shelley, I did my affirmations this morning. <clears throat> I just have to tell you, I feel like a hypocrite when I say these things. And I told her, we all do. We all do to begin with because the testimony of God about who we are is almost too good to be true. But what is happening, guess what? 
She'd been trying to lose weight for six months and never budging. She's already lost 10 pounds in just a few weeks because she is getting her mind in harmony with heaven. So I'm going to ask you to do something. This is strange. I don't want you to try to look at these scriptures today. I don't want you flipping through your Bibles looking for scriptures. I want you, I'm going to read scriptures to you, and then we're going to turn them into affirmations. I want you at home, if you've got a pen and paper, jot down the scripture references, because you'll want to go back to them. But I want you at home to join us when we are speaking this. But listen with your heart. Sometimes we get so involved in things. If you thought you were going to come to church today and take a nap, I got, a, I got news for you. You're not. We are going to, can I count on your active participation? Amen. All right. Now listen with your heart. Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. Just listen. He said to them, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe. All the words of this law, for it is not a futile thing to you because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. What does that say to your head? God's words are not idle words. They're alive and active. They are your life. So let's, let's just make that an affirmation. Repeat after me. God's words are not idle words to me. They are my life. That's Deuteronomy 32, 47. Oh, remember that. God's word is life to you. Now, our opening scripture, Psalm 129, verse 4. But the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. Now, God is declaring the end from the beginning, but let's speak that with the same spirit of faith that says, I believe, therefore I've spoken. So repeat after me. The Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cord of the wicked. That is trying to bind me. Do you believe that? Grace, you got to get that in your heart. This is what God is doing. He has promised he will cut us free from the court of the wicked. And we can read through the Psalms and read this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you start speaking it, when you pray and say, oh, Lord, thank you that you are righteous. Thank you, Father, that you've cut me free from the court of the wicked that is binding me. I may be declaring and calling things that are not as though they already are, but that's what you do, Lord. You see the end from the beginning. You are cutting me free. Hallelujah. We've got to get excited over this word. It is your life. Let's string two scriptures together. Listen with your heart. 1 Corinthians 15 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us 
the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's get that down into your heart. Repeat after me. Thank you, Father, for giving me the victory over whatever it is. I'll let you fill in the blank. It could be a food addiction. It could be uh, some secret sin that you have. But thank you, Father, for giving me the victory over this. Now repeat, making me more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Let that settle into you. God has promised to give you the victory. He has promised to make you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That's his promise, Dan. He is working in us to will and to do his good pleasure. We ought to get excited about this. I'm telling you, when you think about it, what, you know, if, if it's a food addiction, it's like, thank you, Father, for giving me the victory over overeating. Thank you, Father, that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can overcome this by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the power of your word. Here's a good one. Listen. Romans 12.1. Paul's writing to the Romans, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies the living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable form of worship. God owns your body. Amen. You've got to present your body as a living sacrifice. You know what the problem is with a living sacrifice? It's always crawling off the altar. <laughs> we have to, you know, then he goes on and he says, be, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's make this an affirmation. Repeat after me. I present my body as a living sacrifice. To you, the God of my salvation. I am transformed by the renewing power of your word. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now let me promise you something. When you first start doing this, you will feel like a hypocrite. You know, if you're sitting there stuffing your mouth with chili cheese fritos, and you're saying, oh Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice, if, if someone who is watching is doing prescription drugs that you're not supposed to be doing, when you first start speaking this, it doesn't seem real to you. It's like words. But the more you speak it, it gets it from your head into your heart. And God will renew you by the power of his word. Okay, let's try this one on for size. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes, Do you not know that you are the temple of God 
and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? I don't know about you, but that's eye-opening when you think about it. We read it, we say it, are we living it? Let's, let's turn that into an affirmation. Repeat after me. I am the living temple of the living God. And his spirit lives in me. How does that make you feel? Think about that for a minute. You are the living temple of the living God. His Holy Spirit, if you've been converted, dwells within you. Have you stopped to think, what am I doing to God's temple? Am I defiling God's temple? I mean, that is such an amazing thing. But here's one that will really get you. Romans 6:11. Paul writes to the Romans, listen. Likewise, you also recognize yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Repeat after me. I am dead to the sin of... You don't have to say out loud what it is you're struggling with whether it's overeating or pornography or whatever it is, fill in the blank. I am dead to the sin of, let's just say, a food addiction. But repeat this. My relationship to it is broken by the power of his Holy Spirit. I am alive to God and live in unbroken fellowship with him. Do you know you do? Are we living in unbroken fellowship with God? Or do we get up, our feet hit the floor running, and we forget that God's always with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Do we ignore God? Do we break the fellowship? Let me tell you something. Communication is the fellowship. If you're not praying, if you're not reading the word of God, you're breaking. The, it's, it's breaking the fellowship. It's not breaking the relationship, but you're breaking the fellowship. Listen to this one. Romans 13, 14. Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Woo! Let's say this. I clothe myself with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I make no provision for the flesh. You know, <laughs> for some of you, that means you need to go clear out the cabinets. If you're smoking... Throw those cigarettes away. Make no provision for the flesh. If we're trying to live a healthier lifestyle and we go to the grocery store and come home with a bunch of sweets and junk, we're making provision for our flesh, aren't we? If your secret sin is pornography, put some kind of monitor 
regulator on your computer or get off the computer totally. Get an accountability partner. Make no provision for the flesh. I know a man who recently, he bought his children an Xbox. He said when he would walk in the room, he's divorced, trying to please his kids. And he said once he got that Xbox, he'd walk in the room and try to get his kids' attention. He couldn't even get their attention. Their minds were so focused on what's going on, and so he'd go over and unplug it or do what. And he told them, after warning them three times, the third time he warned them, he said, you can't get lost in this. If you're not going to listen to me and mind me, I'm getting rid of it. You know what happened? The fourth time he came in and tried to get his kids' attention, but see, their brains were totally, I mean, when you're gaming, did you know it puts your mind in the alpha state? It's the same state as meditation. You're opening yourself to receiving, channeling messages from other spirits. You know what he did? He not only unplugged that Xbox, he took it out in the backyard and he beat it to pieces with a hammer. And he told his kids, not on my watch. Not, make no provision for the flesh. All right. Here's a great one. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Now, let me, let me say this. This is following the hall of faith not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, where we hear about all of these wonderful people and their faith in God, the saints. So he, the author begins Hebrews 12 saying this, I want you to listen for three imperatives. Listen with your heart. There's three imperatives in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. There's going to be a test after this. Okay, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those he just talked about in Hebrews 11, he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. What were the, do you know what an imperative is? That means it's an authoritative command. There's three commands in there. And we're going to speak this back as an affirmation. I want to encourage you to learn to study this way because when you do, it will change how you relate to the Word of God. So let's repeat this. We're going to speak with the spirit of faith. I lay aside every weight... And the sin which so easily ensnares me. And I run with endurance the race that's set before me. Keeping my eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of my faith. 
If you were to say this every day for the next 60 days, I guarantee you, you know what it's going to do? First of all, you're saying, Lord, I agree with your word. I'm affirming your word. But what it does is it reprograms this organ up here. Don't think that this is some silly exercise. This is to reprogram your thoughts. And, and when, if you are saying every night, you may not, it's speaking with the spirit of faith, but if you're saying, oh, I lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily entangles me and I run with endurance this race of faith, keeping my eyes focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be tempted. Something's going to come up and you're going to be able to say no. No, because I lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares me. No, I'm running this race with endurance. No, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Let's look at Hebrews 13, 5. We're going to string this together with another one. So listen, listen, give me your, listen to the words of the Lord. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Psalm 121.3 says, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. I had a really interesting experience. I'd have to look back through my prayer diary. It was several months ago. As you know, I've had a very long, I'm still in recovery. But I had an experience where I didn't feel like praying. I was in a lot of pain. I didn't feel like reading the word. Actually, I felt spiritually paralyzed. I did. I just... And suddenly, you know what I pray for for people who are going through a difficult time? I always pray, oh Lord God, give them a divine awareness of your presence. See, sometimes we get into situations where we don't feel like God is with us. It's, it's like we forget he's right there. And suddenly I cried out, Oh, Lord, give me a divine awareness of your presence with me. And you know what I found? I prayed that every day. I still pray that. Lord, give me a divine awareness of your presence. When we don't pray, we're ignoring God's presence. When we're not reading the word, we're ignoring God's presence. And so... Let's turn this, let's get this out of head information into our heart. Let's say it this way. Jesus never leaves me nor forsakes me. He will not let my foot slip. 
Do you believe that? You know, the more you speak it, the more you pray it back and say, Father, thank you that you never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that you won't let my foot slip. Oh, Lord, all this time I've been trying to keep my foot on track by myself. Lord, it's you. It's you. All I have to do is yield to you, yield to your power. Hallelujah. Remember, prayer and Bible study is the way we communicate with God. And if you're married, you know this. Well, even if you're not married, you know this. Communication is the relationship. If you and your husband never talk, if there's silence between you all the time, what's happening to your relationship? Yeah, you may feel, you know, you're comfortable with each other. But is it a very dynamic relationship? Not at all. How do you get to know someone when you first meet someone? How do you get to know them? You talk with them. You ask them questions. You ought to hear me studying. I read my Bible. The first thing I do when I'm studying the Bible is I ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit. These are spiritual words spiritually discerned. So I'll say, Lord, send your Holy Spirit and help me with this study. Then I read out loud. You know why I do? If I'm not reading out loud, suddenly my mind goes off to, ooh, I need to tell JD to do something, or ooh, I forgot to call Jill back. But when I read out loud, I'm kind of zoned in on it. And then I get to something and I'm saying, what? Lord, what do you mean by this? I mean, I'm talking to the Lord the whole time I'm studying. I'm asking him questions, just like I would with anyone I'm trying to get to know. Well, Lord, you said this, but what do you mean? And you know, sometimes God doesn't give me an immediate answer. Sometimes it's two weeks later that I'm studying somewhere else, and suddenly a scripture lights up like a neon sign, like it's flashing at you, and you're going, oh, that's what you meant, Lord. So ask God questions. He's willing to answer. Let's look at this one. 2 Corinthians 10. Is there a clock? I have no idea how long I've been going. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And let me tell you something. Let me just stop right there. Where do you think those strongholds are? They're in our mind. When people tell you who they think you are, or when you are saying who you think you are, that's a stronghold. When you're thinking, I can't do this, that's a stronghold. The scripture says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We've got to let the word of God bring down those strongholds. So here's what I want you to say. I am who God says I am. I take every thought captive and make it obedient to his will. The next time the devil comes at you saying something, 
Oh, you always do this. You always do that. You know, how many times have you surrendered? Just, it's kind of like, get behind me, Satan. I am who God says I am. I'm taking every thought captive and making it obedient to his will. If a thought of lust comes through your mind, shoo that old bird away. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Speak in the spirit of faith. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new is come. Now, does that make you feel like a hypocrite or what? Woo, the old rears its ugly head. This is who God says you are. This is how God sees you. He's declaring the end from the beginning. He says, you are a new creation. That's, that's not in from the beginning. That's when you're in Christ. But what he is saying is the old is gone, the new is come. He's working it out of you in the process of sanctification. You've got to believe that. You've got to speak it. You've got to pray it back to him. Thank you, Father, that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, you're working out the old, the new has come. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43, 19. Listen what the Lord says. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Did you know God is doing a new thing in your life? Eric, God's doing a new thing in your life. Let's, let's, let's say this. I do not dwell on my past mistakes. God is doing a new thing in me. And it will suddenly spring forth. I have a woman I have ministered to since the very first time I was on 3ABN, which was New Year's Eve 2002. We've become friends. This poor woman, after 19 years of ministering to her, is still trapped in the negative narrative of things that her father said to her as a child. She cannot get past it. We've gone over and over. You know what? There comes a day when you got to quit rehearsing the past Quit talking about what was done to you as a child. Quit rehearsing it over and over. Because you know what that does? It brings all of the pain to the surface. What we've got to do, or maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe uh, I, uh, someone I know who had an affair, they can't let it go. I messed up. How can God ever forgive me? Did you ask for forgiveness? Yes. God's forgiven you. Confession is the clearing house of the conscience. Let it go. Do not dwell on your past mistakes. God is doing a new thing in you. Philippians 2.13, one of my favorite scriptures. 
What this scripture proves to me is obedience is by grace. Grace being God's divine assistance, his supernatural power for salvation. Listen, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So let's speak in the spirit of faith. I thank you, Father, for giving me this victory. For working in me to cause me to will and to act according to your good purpose for my life. <laughs> this word can set you free from whatever is binding you. If you recognize, oh, God is in me. Donald, you know this. God is in me. He is working to cause me to will and to act. Two different phases, if you will. First, God lines your will up with your, his will. That's what we're doing right now. That's what affirmations are all about. His will is written in his word. We begin to line up our thinking with his thinking. We quit thinking all of these nasty negative things. We begin to believe and have hope in the word of God, eager expectation that he's going to do it. But once he does that, he still won't force you to act, Ramona. God never comes and says, okay, do it. <laughs> you know what happens? He lines your will up with his, then he calls on you to take a step in faith. And in that one step, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up and God causes you to act. Hallelujah. He empowers you. Let's string these two together. How, how long do I have? How long have I? I have no idea. Huh? Five minutes I have. Let's, we got to hustle then. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in him and I in them bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nada. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But then Philippians 4, 13, Paul says, ooh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's say it. I know that apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. But through Jesus, I can do all things because he's strengthening me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made power, in, or made perfect in weakness. So you can pray and say, oh Lord, I thank you that your power is made perfect in my weakness. I thank you that your grace is sufficient. Luke 9, 23, he says, if anyone, does, this is Jesus, anyone desires to come after me, let him pick up his cross and die to himself. And, and pick up daily so you can say, oh Lord, cause me to pick up my cross and die to self today. Luke 11, 9 through 10, Jesus said, I say to you, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep, uh, keep on seeking. Knock and keep on no knocking. I can't talk. But it, it's a continuous action that he's saying here. And then he says in verse 13, those who ask and keep on asking, hey, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to you? 
Every morning when you get up, you should be praying. I, I pray as soon as the Lord opens my eyes and I know I have breath for another day. I'm saying, oh Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. And why is that important? Romans 8, 13 says this. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Do you see there's two people working here? This is a cooperative action. You cannot put to death the misdeeds of your flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit. He will not put it to death without your cooperation. It's by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. So you can pray in the morning and say, oh Lord, cause me to put to death the misdeeds of my flesh by the power of your Holy Spirit. And you know what? When you talk to the Lord like this, he makes you aware when something happens and you realize, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, thank you, Lord, that I have the power of the Holy Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of my flesh. And my final thought, Psalm 143, verse 10. The psalmist says, oh, Lord, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Oh, let's, let's speak that with the same spirit of faith. Teach me to do your will, Lord. Lead me by the Holy Spirit. I pray your perfect will be done in my life today. If you will approach your Bible study, your prayer, your conversations, there's power of life and death in the tongue. Speak God's word into your life. You can be cut free from the cords that bind. We want to thank you for joining us, and we want to have a prayer right now. Heavenly Father, teach us that words are important. Get rid of all of our stinking thinking, our negative narratives, the internal dialogue we have with ourselves. Lord, renew our minds by the power of your word. And Father, we know in righteousness, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and by the power of your word, we can be freed from sin. You will cut free the cord of the wicked that is binding us. In Jesus' name, amen.